You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 17 ESPN. This is Bet Lay with the Marks. On 710 ESPN. And we're getting you set tonight with all the wagering and fantasy option you need for the NBA, MLB, golf, and yes, March Madness. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. All right, hour two, Bet LA. And, uh, and, and Tyler and Rebecca, I'd love for you to chime in here. Uh, please feel free. Um, because, uh, I think, I think this is one of the biggest, I don't know about you guys, uh, the, the Lakers Grizzlies game to me is the one game I'm probably most looking forward to watching over the weekend. Agree or disagree? Are, okay, well, I'm going to agree. Well, take your, take yourself, take yourself, take yourself out of LA. I'm going to agree, possible. but I have, I have a question. I'm going to agree. But my question is, is that stemming mm-hmm. from the Brooks LBJ drama? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Then definitely yes. Oh, it's going to be yeah. very emotional. Um, I, I'm. Here's the thing. Like, like I want to see. <laughs> like, I, I. The disrespect is unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. Right? Like, uh, un, uh, do you uh, do you guys have the you do you guys yeah. have the oh, sound? Yeah. yeah, we have it. Okay, let's 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 play Dylan Brooks and and what he had to say um, about LeBron James. I don't care. He's old. You know what I mean? That's I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that. Game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. He should have been saying that earlier on. But you know, I poke bears. I don't respect no one until they come and give me forty. I poke I bears. I poke bears, and I don't respect anybody until they come and give me 40. This is the same man who tweeted out, finally, LeBron is a champion when he won his first NBA Finals. Same guy. So so there's that. Now, listen, LeBron James, 38 years old. I know he's dealing with a foot issue. You know, he has, let's be honest, he has been, especially game one, huge facilitator. And, and... And it worked, right? They won. <laughs> so, um, you know, facilitating Hachimura, facilitating Reeves, um, obviously put up more points in, in, in game two and um, and did not win. So obviously the series, as we know, is all tied up at one. I think a big reason they didn't win is, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but like AD just not look right. Like he just looked like he was sleepwalking through the game. Uh, not he, to take anything away, like what he was able to do defensively, uh, rim protector, all of that. What he had five blocks, great. Uh, but I just felt offensively, um, what four fourteen? Yeah, so, he's been having a really tough time in these playoffs. I mean, you you flash back two games ago when he was having that sh- that weird shoulder problem that disabled his arm and then he was somehow able to overcome it and come back quickly. And then it was like a, I think it was like an elbow stinger. 
Yeah, something I think it was, was very like I, he got think, what was it like a dead arm then? Is that what you would classify? Yeah, it as? something like something like that. And then he but, got poked in the eye or something on the. T- it, it was all weird. It just it, it yeah. So it hasn't been it hasn't been a tremendous postseason for him. But at the end of, at the end of the day, really, <laughs> all eyes are going to be on Game Three because of what Dylan Brooks said, because of the, the disrespect for uh, you know. LeBron, who many feel is the greatest of all time. Um, and and I'm really intrigued how he responds. Like I like I'm I like I like this this now and, and not that it wasn't a series. I, I felt like the Grizzlies, the Grizzly Lakers series and the Cavs Knicks series to me were the two best series coming into the postseason. Uh, they were know. the two series that they were the two series that I felt really could potentially go the distance and and be competitive. You agree or disagree? Well, you I don't know. I feel like you're kind of discrediting the Kings Golden State Warriors because the Kings look like a team that can disappoint these Warriors and everybody didn't really see the Warriors running into any problems at least this early. And now we're kind of well, seeing No, no absolutely. Well, now, yes. I'm just saying be- before before one game was played, oh, I, see I wasn't what you're expecting. Okay. I wasn't expecting. I was expecting this Kings team. Sure, sure. I'm saying pr- prior, prior, like when when the matchups were set and we knew what seeds were where and who was going to play whom. I felt like coming in before any tip off, the Cavs, Knicks, and the Grizzlies, Lakers to me were the two best series. Yeah, granted, yeah. Now this Golden State, and, and by the way, since you said that, let me let me get everybody up to speed in regard to the score here. Uh, Golden State's up forty-five to thirty-five. They're up ten points with three minutes left in the first half. So um, there's that. But ne- even now, ne- with like all that that has transpired now between Dylan Brooks and what he said about like, I'm just I'm so intrigued with Game Three. And how LeBron James is going to respond? Aren't you like like I absolutely? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron came and dropped a forty bomb and then said, "What now?" Oh, how great would that be? So uh, and so, I, I just wanted we're talking futures here. So um, uh, you could you could wager that the Lakers are going to win the series in six at plus two thirty. Those are those are the uh, the favorite odds. Uh, the Grizzlies to win the series in seven at plus two ninety, the Lakers to win the series in seven at five to one, the Lakers to win the series in four to one at five, five five to one. If that makes sense, the Lakers to win the series in five at five to one, um, and that would be four four and one. Am I making sense? <laughs> I don't think I'm making sense. The Grizzlies to win the series uh, in six at four and two. At seven to one, and the Grizzlies to win the series at four at in five at four to one at eleven to one. <laughs> yes, I know you're making sense, making but sense. it's very tricky to follow. I'm not making but yes, I just, you are making sense. I just sense. take a photograph of this and like put it out yeah, on Twitter? Yeah, put it up on Twitter. Think, Absolutely. I think maybe that's what I need to do um, because it's a little I, tricky, I, but it makes sense if you follow. It makes sense if yes, it's and I'm I've sure photos before, will help. I um. I, I I surround myself with, I feel, my friends are uber, uber intelligent. I have a lot of friends who went to Ivy League schools, Cornell, Brown, um, and um, and a lot of them don't understand gambling. They're like, I don't understand. So what does it mean if a team is favored by three? 
And I'm like, well, it means that when the game starts, they're down three points. Okay, so when the game ends, then how many points do they need to win by? I'm like, four. <laughs> like, like, like you went to Cornell, you don't understand? Uh, but anyway, uh, by the way, this game um, tips off on Saturday at uh, 7 p.m. And uh, the Lakers are favored by four and a half. And the over-under is 220 and a half. I want to see if there are, ooh, there are prop bets. LeBron James, LeBron James, over, under 28 and a half points. I am taking that over You got to take the over now, absolutely. Take the over right now at minus 115, baby. Minus 115. How about that? You got a chip on his shoulder. I can't wait. Can't wait. This is Bart Sky likes to say. All right, we come back. I promise uh, we'll talk a little NFL with Rob, Rob Demosky as well as Rich Samini when we get back. Anita Marks with you. This is Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. That would be me. It is Bet LA. And at the half, Golden State is up 53-41 to 41 against the Kings. Hey, now. Uh, Curry, 18 points. Three of six from downtown. I told you to take the over four and a half three-pointers. Hopefully, you did. Uh, I liked Wiggins over... What did I say that over was in regard to uh, rebounds? Six and a half. Over six and a half rebounds. He's at three. Okay. Okay. We're, st- we're still in the game, people. We're still in the game. Uh, in regard to the Suns and the Clippers, um, Suns up 32-30 to 30 against the Clippers. So uh, Devin Booker having a night, that's for sure. Uh, he's got 18 points already, and there's still 10 minutes left in the second. So there's that. Um Eric Gordon, 0 for 2 from downtown. He's got three points, but 0 for 2. Still a lot of time left. Uh, Just about, again, nine minutes left in the second quarter. All right, uh, we've got the NFL draft that is coming your way next week. Uh, Some trades that are going to go down. What's going to happen between the Green Bay Packers and the Jets? Rob Domoski, who covers the Green Bay Packers, and Rich Samini, who covers the Jets, was kind enough to join me on my bet show, the digital show, giving us a little insight to what, could potentially happen, especially as we get closer to the night of the draft. Let's listen in. Rich Demini joining us, uh, who of course does a phenomenal job covering the Jets. And you just heard what Rob had to say. It's been over a month now, Rich. We heard Aaron Rodgers uh, say on you know his weekly show, I wanna be a Jet. It's either Jet or retire. So the Jets know he wants to be a Jet. We know the intricacies going back and forth between the two organizations, but where it stands right now on a scale of one to 10, how concerning is it to you that this deal has not gotten done? Anita, a one. It's not concerning at all because you can see this coming from a mile away. Uh, You know how things go in the NFL in a lot of walks of life and a lot of different businesses. Things are deadline motivated and really there has not been a deadline over the last four weeks. So the teams have been slow playing it. Neither side wants to show their hand, but the deadline, or at least the soft deadline, is the draft, like Rob explained. So I could totally see something happening on the afternoon of day two of the draft before they start picking again on Friday night, the Jets and Packers coming to an agreement. It's possible even that they go 
on the clock. Now, if they go on the clock in the second round, the Jets have the 42nd and 43rd picks, which means they'll basically own the draft for 14 consecutive minutes. If there's no trade to that point, you talk about high drama. That'll be 14 minutes in real time, seeing if this trade gets done, but I think it will get done. Oh boy, this draft is gonna be really exciting to say the least for a lot of us here in New York. All right, so this week, some big news. Odell Beckham Jr., who we know is on Aaron Rodgers' Santa Claus wish list for the Jets, did not sign with the Jets. He is now gonna be a Baltimore Raven. How does this have any effect in regard to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? From what I understand, the Jets had an opportunity to meet the Ravens' offer and they did not. What can you tell us? Yeah, the Jets made a competitive offer, but they clearly did not want to go up to 15 million guaranteed for one year. So uh, it's not going to have an impact on uh, Rodgers coming to the Jets. Now, sure, he was on the so-called wish list, but uh, they've already signed one player on his list. That's Alan Lazard, the former Packer receiver going to the Jets for four years, 44 million. Randall Cobb, Packers free agent, is still out there, of course, a long time. BFF of Rodgers. He's still out there. There's a chance the Jets could bring him in. So the Beckham thing, look, the Jets would have liked to have had him, but I think it would have been a luxury for them. They're still pretty good at wide receiver, and there's still an opportunity to either draft a receiver or, like I said, pick up a guy like Randall Cobb. I know we're about 10 days uh, to the draft, and the Jets holding on to that number 13 pick. A lot of people are expecting them to take an offensive lineman at 13. There might be a run at quarterbacks. I think a top-notch corner is going to go. I think a top-notch wide receiver might go. They're sitting in a prime spot, Rich, to take a a real solid offensive lineman to protect Aaron Rodgers at 13. Do you think that's the direction they're headed? Yeah, I think that's – I'm leaning heavily in that direction. I think the Jets are looking in that direction. There's three or four really good offensive linemen who could go in the top half of this first round, and I definitely think they're on the Jets' radar. It's a position – Look, their top three tackles on the roster right now are both are all three coming off major injuries. Two of them are in the last year of their contract, so the Jets are also thinking ahead to 2024 and also thinking short-term because they want to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. That's, that's priority number one for the Jets. When they get this guy in their building, they want to protect him. So if I had to bet right now, I'd say offensive line is a strong possibility at number 13. All right, Rich, before we let you go, the first question we asked you was, what's your concern level? You said 1%, so that means you're 99% confident that this deal is going to get done and Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Jets. Uh, Just recap for us, how do you see it playing out? Well, I told you a couple of weeks ago I was 99% sure, and it hasn't changed, Anita. Like, when you have two motivated parties, things tend to get done. And like I said, it's a deadline-oriented business. The Packers are a team that is known for building through the draft. They cherish draft picks. They're not going to want to let this opportunity go by, let this draft go by without getting a couple of picks. So that's why the Packers will be under pressure to get a deal done, and the Jets will be under pressure because they just want to get a quarterback. Now, Zach Wilson was in the building today, last year's starter for the start of their offseason program. That's what I've been told. But everybody knows, and even the Jets have said this publicly, he's not the guy they want to be their starter. They want Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to get him. It's just going to take a little bit longer. And we've been waiting, especially I'm here in New York. Trust me, all Jets fans here, we are on Rodgers' watch. But it's been over a month now. Nothing has gotten done. Rodgers is not wearing that game green. 
So let's find out what the latest is. Let's let's check in with Rob Demosky, who does a phenomenal job covering the Green Bay Packers. Rob, what can you tell us? Anita, the only thing that's changed is we're closer to draft weekend, which means the urgency to get a deal done is getting greater. However, that doesn't mean it'll happen before the draft. In fact, here's a scenario to consider. Next Thursday's first round could come and go without a deal being done. That's because Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst has publicly stated that he's not looking for the Jets' first round pick this year, which is number 13 overall. So perhaps the two sides will work on the first round and let that come and go and start to ramp things back up on Friday before the second round. Considering that second round picks are most likely to be involved in this, that would be about the last time that they could get a deal done before this draft. If it doesn't get done by then, then there's the very real possibility that this could go well into the summer, which is something that both sides would like to avoid. As for the Packers, another sign that life has moved on without Rodgers happened on Monday, when Jordan Love, the quarterback in waiting, walked through the doors at Lambeau Field as their starting quarterback to begin the offseason program. So again, uh, Rich Samini, as well as Rob Demosky, giving us some insight on what we potentially can expect on draft night. Maybe not one, but maybe on Friday night for round two. We get back. We're going to get you ready for the NHL. Greg Wyshynski joins us next on Bet LA. Hang tight. 710 ESPN. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back. Of course, it is Bet LA. And we've got the Puck Daddy joining us, Greg Wyshynski, to uh, preview uh, some of the great NHL action that's going to be taking place, of course, on Friday. So, Greg, welcome into the show. First and foremost, Maple Leaves, uh, they get booted uh, their last, what, few series but now really made a statement tonight against the Lightning, right? Boy, did they. And, you know, they took advantage of the Lightning's lineup problems. The Lightning are missing three defensemen, including Victor Hedman, their best defenseman, all to injury. Um, so they took advantage of it, uh, have made this an interesting series, and, uh, and away we go, uh, back to Tampa. So, you know, it, it was always going to be, I think, a long series. It's great to see both of these uh, teams swinging haymakers early. Uh, and then we'll kind of just see how the rest of it plays out. So let's uh, let's take a look at what's happening on Friday. Uh, big reason why we have you on the show tonight. And first and foremost, uh, you've got the Canes going up against the Islanders uh, on the money line. It's even right minus one ten. Either way, this flows. Uh, the Canes they're up on the series two zero. Uh, great power play on their part. They won their last game 4-3, but they had to go into overtime in order to do it. Uh, your thoughts on the series? You know, it, it, unfortunately for the Islanders, they are playing probably the worst team that they could play, which is uh, themselves. <laughs> I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes try to do the same thing the Islanders try to do, which is to like limit chances and win grinding one-goal games in the playoffs. And frankly, they do it better than anyone. Uh, they've done it for the last, you know, several years under Coach Rod Brindamore. So the fact that it is 2-0 for Carolina, uh, to me, a bit of a surprise, only because the Islanders came into the playoffs with a bit of momentum. They got Matt Barzell back in their lineup. Um, but the real interesting thing here, I think, going forward is the, the, the Hurricanes' problem this playoff was always going to be goal scoring. They didn't have Andre Svechnikov or Max Pacioretty at the start of the playoffs. Now they've lost Tabo Terabinen. 
to a broken wrist. Um, they're starting to, to, to really lose a lot of offensive options, and, and maybe the Islanders have a, a lane back into the series on home ice, considering how tough it's going to be for the Hurricanes to generate offense. So with that being said, who are you playing tomorrow night? I got to imagine the Islanders win game three. I mean, it's, it's almost mind-boggling to think that they can go down 3-0 in this series, considering how close these two teams are and how close all these games have been. Um, plus, you know, there should be some excitement in the building and, and they're going to be able to get the matchups that they want. In other words, they can get whoever they want away from Jordan Stahl's checking line, which is one of the best checking lines in the league. So uh, I imagine the Islanders will get back in the series in game three. Um, we've got a Bruins game tomorrow as well. Uh, going up against the Panthers, man. Um, <laughs> uh, they... Uh, uh, that that's another that president's cup that president's trophy curse uh potentially uh you know have more people maybe believing in it uh because of course now they lost uh the panthers won 6-3 four third period goals so now the series is tied it heads to florida um you've got a a bruins team on the money line minus 155 the florida panthers at home on the money line, plus 135. Before we talk about this game, let's look back. I know you were there, right? We, uh, you, you joined me on, of course, our Bet Digital show uh, the other night. So you know, w- what went wrong for the Bruins? Just turnovers? Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. They had 15 mm-hmm. in the game for a team that usually takes care of the puck. Their coach, Jim Montgomery, he felt like they were trying to force things offensively a little bit. And, and I think part of that is definitely the Bruins – feeling a little bit of that pressure of being the, the, the hunted, you know, being the best regular season team the NHL has ever seen. Um, they're feeling the pressure to kind of fulfill that bill and, and to take it all the way and win the cup and validate that season that they had. But the Panthers have also been pretty pesky in the first two games. The Bruins by no means have been an overwhelming team early in this series. Um, and, you know, the Panthers are getting healthier. They got Sam Bennett back for game two. He made a difference immediately by scoring a goal. Um, this is going to be a tougher series than I think a lot of people thought it could be, and especially, and this is the real key, the health of Patrice Bergeron, the, the captain of the Boston Bruins, a guy that makes all the difference on the ice for them, not only from a leadership capacity and an offensive capacity, but also, most importantly, from a face-off capacity. The Boston Bruins uh, in this series against the Florida Panthers are under 50% in the face-off circle, uh, and that is directly tied to not having arguably the best defensive forward in the history of hockey on the, on the ice in Bergeron. So, you know, his status is questionable. He's been skating before practices. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if he gets into one of these games. I was just going to ask you, do you, do you expect him back uh, in, in this game? And, and I guess nobody really knows. Um, even without him, how, how are you playing this? Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the, I don't know. That's a, it's a tough one. I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily take a team to win. I might look at the totals. I do think that this is a series that maybe could be a little bit closer to the under in, in game three, um, just because uh, it, whether they run it back with Linus Allmark or they put in Jeremy Swayman, I think the, the Bruins are going to be a lot more responsible with the puck and try to keep the score down. Um, I don't really have a, a read on who's going to win the game though, because honestly, the momentum is with the Panthers, and, and more importantly, uh, they're the team that does not have the weight of the world on their shoulders right now like the Bruins do. And, and of course, they're not cursed. Uh, the over-under <laughs> is six. 
And uh, in the under is playing at even money, just FYI. Uh, Let's take a look at the stars and the wild. You and I love the stars. It was our best bet on daily wager game one uh, that they lost. But thank goodness they won game two, seven to three. So this series is all tied up, although they are dealing with with some injuries. Can you fill us in there? And uh, and who do you like in this matchup? Yeah, well, they're, they're one of their big offensive weapons, Joe Pavelski, uh, went out in game one on a check from Matt Dumba. He's in the concussion protocol. He did not travel with the team to Minnesota, so he is not going to be available in those games. Um, mm-hmm. But they made a declarative statement in game two by by really blowing out the uh, Minnesota Wild. Rupe Hintz, who is a line mate of Pavelski, is scoring a hat trick. The intrigue for game three is going to be over on the Minnesota side where Kind of inexplicably, they, they flipped from uh, Philip Gustafson, who's their uh, goalie that won game one, over to Marc-Andre Fleury, who got lit up in game two. So I imagine they're going to go back to their game one goalie in game three, um, and, and that could probably change the dynamic of, of, of the game a little bit in the sense that I don't think the Dallas Stars are going to have as explosive an offensive night as they had in game two. So uh, you and I are really, really high on the stars. We'll see how that series pans out. And last but not least, I'm sure a a game very near and dear to our listeners, and that is the Oilers going up against the Kings. Um, Mm. Now, as we know, they lost the opener in overtime, four to three, but one game two, four to two, uh, pretty much even though the Kings in this, this series is tied, they have been outplayed. They have not been a great first-period team. Uh, but as we know, the Oilers have the best hockey player in the nation in, in Connor McDavid this season. It's just been absolutely tremendous. I know you're very high on the Oilers this season. Uh, what, what have you seen? What has stood out for you so far in this series? Well, you know, first of all, McDavid's yet to score a goal, which is kind of interesting. But I think that's indicative of what the L.A. Kings can throw at you defensively. They have the luxury of having Andre Kopitar and Philip Deneau, two of the best defensive centers in, in the NHL, and they can put them on McDavid. They could put one of them on, on Dreisaitl. And then, of course, you have Drew Doughty back there, too, as a, as a really good shutdown defender. So I'm not surprised that, that Connor's found it to be kind of hard to, uh, to find a goal in this series. The, the intrigue for me is what Oilers team shows up period to period. Anyone who watched Game 2 knows in the first period, they shut down the Kings. I mean, the Kings barely got a shot on goal in the first period. But then in the second period, all of a sudden it's a 2-2 game. So the, the Oilers, in their journey to try to become a championship-worthy team, just simply can't play consistent defense. Um, and so any game in which the Oilers have a lead, the Kings are going to have a chance to come back in, I think. So with that being said, uh, where this stands right now, on the money line, Oilers to win game three, minus 140. Kings to win at home, plus 120, plus money. What side are you on here? I think I'll take the Oilers in this game. Um, you know, I, I feel like they, they really corrected some things for most of that game three. And, yeah, they let, the, they let the Kings back in in the second period. But the bottom line is they found a way to win the game. I think that's going to give them a little bit of confidence, a little momentum. And, again, uh, it's a matter of time before Connor has a Connor game, and it may be in game three. Are you playing them to win the series? Because right now they're at minus 150. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought they were going to win the series. I thought they were going to win it in six. Um, I, I, of course, have them advancing all the way to the cup final and winning the cup as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. Both of these teams are better than they were last year when they, when they met. 
the Kings, you know, made some smart decisions at the trade deadline. Uh, they're still missing Kevin Fiala from their lineup, which I think would have been a, a real addition to the series. Uh, but the Oilers made a smart decision in, in acquiring Matias Ekholm, who's a defenseman for the National Predators. He has been everything that they've needed on that blue line. He's really helped them out. And as long as, as Stuart Skinner, their rookie goalie, can not lose games, I think they're going to be okay and win this series. Great stuff as always. Greg, really do appreciate your time with us. Thank you so much. Anytime, Brad. Thanks for having me. You- you got it. Greg Wyshynski, a.k.a. the Puck Daddy, joining us to break down all the Friday action in the NHL. And, of course, the Kings uh, trying to win on their home ice against the Oilers. A lot of people love the, the Oilers to win um, to win the Stanley Cup. Eight to one, by the way. Eight to one to win the Stanley Cup. The Bruins plus 330. Uh, so some future bets out there for you. Stay tuned. We come back. Stormy Bonantani is going to join us. XFL, their final week of the regular season as they head into the postseason uh, next week. What games matter? What games do not? How is she going to be playing the slate of games in the XFL? We'll find out next right here on 710 ESPN. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Ben L.A. and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA. Nita Marks with you here on 710 ESPN. Stormy Bonantani joining us. Uh, talking some XFLs. This is the last week of the regular season. And then they go into the playoffs. I was off last weekend. I was on vacation. I was down in Monsoon, Miami. Sure, everybody's following the weather down there. It was just absolutely horrific. But I had a great time. I spent some time with some family. So we didn't have a chance to, uh, to talk about the XFL. Stormy, how are you? I am great and glad that you got home safe from the torrential downpour. Geez, but uh, excited that we have games that matter, all four of them, with playoff implications this weekend in the XFL. It's going to be a fun one. Absolutely. Interesting how the the schedule kind of panned out. Um, And you mentioned glad that I'm back safe. Glad that I'm back. I just so happened booked a flight out of Miami International Airport as opposed to Fort Lauderdale Airport, because if I would have booked my flight out of Fort Lauderdale, I probably wouldn't be here right now, Stormy. Um, so, yes, um, glad that I am I am back at home. But let's dive into it. Uh, we've got four games on tap for, uh, for this weekend. The first one on Saturday morning is, uh, is Orlando going up against the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, the Battlehawks favored by nine. The over-under is 48. Now, very interesting here. Uh, the Guardians, they're out of it. They're out of the playoff mix. So I'm really curious, you know, where's the motivational factor for them? But meanwhile, the Battlehawks, they're fighting for their lives to try to get into the playoffs. So the, in my opinion, how I'm looking at this, the Battlehawks playing for everything. The Guardians, I'm curious to get your thoughts. What do you think they're playing for? Yeah, I flip-flopped on this a little bit. Um And you said it, it's a very, very important game for St. Louis to win and to win by as wide a margin as possible. Um, I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole of tiebreakers, but basically, like, in a nutshell, should they win and Seattle follows up and wins Sunday, the tiebreaker is going to be each team's ranking in points for and points against. And Seattle right now has 94 points for and allowed six fewer points. So very important for St. Louis to be able to, like if they want to make the postseason, 
barring Seattle losing, then they need to win at margin. So on the surface, I think it would be really easy to say, hey, Orlando's a bad team. They don't have much to play for. St. Louis needs to win and win big, lay the points, no problem, maybe even bet the over. But I'm not so sure. And I know you love St. Louis. And I have been kind of of like this belief that St. Louis is just okay. Like, I really love the A.J. McCarron story and, you know, wanting to play in front of his kids. And you have Ricky Prohl, this legend coaching his son, all the things. But with the exception of that week six blowout win against Vegas, they've largely been a team that's just kind of like, I don't know, played to the level of their competition or just not played well for 50 plus minutes, but had incredible late game heroics and pulled the rabbit out of the hat and clutch time makes all the headlines. I was looking a little bit deeper into big favorites in the XFL this season and underdogs of six and a half points or more in the XFL are actually seven and one against the number and Orlando has accounted for three of those covers. I would think that Orlando is playing for not only pride, but to have the opportunity to play spoiler a little bit, to um, put more on tape for a lot of these players, because that's what this league ultimately at the end of the day is all is all about. And I think Quinn Dormady should bounce back. Like this offense has significantly improved when he took over midseason. They went from 12.3 points per game the first four weeks of the season to 25.5 points per game since. And I know he's been turnover prone the last couple of weeks, but Orlando was playing the best defensive in the league the last two weeks with Orlando and San Antonio. Um, I think St. Louis wins this game. I don't doubt that at all. I'm just not sure I trust them to cover because that nine-point spread means you have to win by 10 to win. We're not playing for pushes here, Anita, and that's a two-score game now in the XFL. Absolutely. Um, and so, so you, so pretty much what you're, you're handicapping, you're saying that the guardians are playing really good defense. And even though they have no shot to make it to the postseason, you think that they're going to be playing with a lot of pride on Saturday. So, uh, so you're going to take the guardians and the points. Yeah. I'm, I, I think that they're just, they've had so much success as a big dog. And I think they kind of relish that role um, that I, I just think it's hard to trust St. Lewis with that big of a spread. So I do like taking the points. Uh, later, later on in the afternoon on Saturday, you have the DC Defenders going up against the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, DC has already uh, clinched their uh, their postseason berth. Uh, they are going to host the North Battle. Uh, they're eight and one. They're still favored by two and a half going up against San Antonio, who's three and six, who will be fighting for an opportunity to make it into that South playoff matchup. So out of curiosity, because D.C. has already clinched, do you feel that they rest players, Stormy? So uh, um, I, I think that, they're, that they will maybe at some point in the game, but I don't necessarily think that that's going to affect them winning and winning this game and covering the number. I feel very confident laying the points with D.C., um, like even with them covering to fail two of the last – uh, failing to cover, excuse me, two of the last three weeks. Both of those no covers were huge spreads, nine and a half and ten points. Um, I, I get the hesitancy when you think about the situation, right? You said it must win for San Antonio. DC's already locked up home field. How motivated are they? Probably just want to get out of the game healthy. I just don't really mm-hmm. think that they're the type of group that would lay down. Um, they've really struggled the last few weeks in the second half of games, um, and that's significant leads. 
and they lost to the Guardians straight up as big favorites. Seattle scored 27 on them in the second half two weeks ago. They go to overtime last week against Arlington as a big favorite, allowed them 17 unanswered points. And I feel like based on just what I know about Reggie Barlow and having covered D.C. as much as I have this season, that they're going to want to end the season on a higher note, feel like they're playing some of their best football going into the playoffs. How much of Jordan Tomu, if at all, we see, I don't know. But Derek King has made huge strides as a passer. Um, he's been great with his dual threat ability. They still, even if we don't see a lot of Abram Smith, Rykel Armstead has been great in the run game, a team that's got the best run game in the league. So I feel, like I said, I feel very confident laying the points with D.C. I also think that D.C. minus one and a half in the first half is a great bet. They've had halftime leads in straight six straight games. None have been fewer than four-point leads, and they're averaging their halftime leads by eight and a half points. So that's the way that I would play it. D.C. minus two and a half, and D.C. minus one and a half first half. I like the, I like the first half. I really like the first half a lot. Stormy Bonantani joining us here on 710 ESPN. It is Bet LA getting you ready for the final week of the regular season for the XFL as uh, they start their playoffs the following week. On Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon, we've got the Houston Roughnecks going up against the Arlington Renegades. The Renegades at home, they're favored by one. The over-under is 42. Um, same situation here with Houston. They have clinched the postseason. They are hosting the South matchup. They're 6-3 and three on the season. Meanwhile, the Renegades fighting for their opportunity to make it into that South game uh, in the postseason. So with that being said, same philosophy here is what you're looking at with Kansas City or different? I mean, with, with D.C. or different? Yeah, so I don't know how you feel. Um, these Sunday games are a little bit more challenging to have a definitive answer, particularly this matchup, because so much of what happens on Saturday could dictate those motivational factors a little bit, like, should San Antonio lose to D.C., like I just said, I expect them to do, then Arlington's already going to have gotten their playoff spot. So does this game basically turn into like a glorified scrimmage of sorts? Maybe then you want to hit the under, right? Um, but but Wade Phillips, to the where I haven't heard this from Reggie Barlow on the D.C. side, Wade Phillips, Houston's head coach, seems pretty straightforward when um, he was talking about it, that he was going to rest as many players as possible with the home playoff game in the bank. So... Um, I'd be more apt to either wait to bet this game or I still think that I would feel comfortable betting Arlington minus one or on the money line. I think that price is minus 115. They should still be motivated regardless because like their offense has made very good strides with Luis Perez, but they still are building chemistry, right? Like if they get that playoff spot, they too want to be hitting their stride. Um, they're a very different team than they were the first meeting with Houston. And I just think building that rhythm, building chemistry, those reps are going to be super important. And Arlington's defense is really good. Um, 21 takeaways this year, best in the XFL, plus five turnover differential, play, facing a Houston offense that I think has kind of gotten figured out the back half of the season. So um, I, I trust the Renegades in this spot regardless, but – I mean, maybe if you're concerned about that, hold off until you know the results of the San Antonio DC game. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I like, I like your flow here. Um, I know uh, the last game on, uh, on Sunday evening is the Vegas Vipers going against Seattle Vipers sitting at two and seven. They're out Seattle sitting at six and three again, 
um, you know, trying to get in over the Battle Hawks to face DC in week one of the postseason. But I know that this is a game that you're going to be at. Mm-hmm. You're, you're part of the broadcast team for ESPN. So I know that there's only so much um, handicapping, quote unquote, wink, wink, you can do for us. Uh, with that being said, without giving us a winner, what are the implications here in regard to what happens in the Guardians Battlehawks game? Right. So Seattle has to win this game no matter what, essentially, if they want to get in. Because if St. Louis wins, the pressure's on them to win. And even if St. Louis loses, Seattle still needs to win to be in. Because if both teams lose, St. Louis is in. See, I told you it's a rabbit hole of tiebreakers. I don't, I mm-hmm. shouldn't have even. Um, but so here's one thing that I think is going to be an important angle, at least early on in this game. You probably heard Chris Smith former NFL defensive end who is now with the Sea Dragons. He passed away over the weekend at the age of 31, um, unknown mm-hmm. causes. He was somebody that was very beloved in that locker room. Uh, despite like joining the team a little bit later, he's only been with them for seven weeks. But talking to Jim Hazlitt and Ben DiNucci today, he was just one of those bright lights in the locker room. And it has sent a real ripple effect through this team. His parents were in Arlington at the XFL Hub this week. I know they're planning to do some special things in honor of him at the game, and it could be a very emotional thing, and it's very hard to know how to handicap emotion. Um, So I just kind of want that to be the the backdrop here, but obviously there is still a game to be played. And obviously Seattle's a big favorite for a reason. You can't deny that. I can see the offense taking advantage of Vegas's defense like they did in that first meeting of the season. (laughs) 519 yards of total offense in that game, and – Danucci now is coming off the best game of the season, really, for him in a critical moment against St. Louis. Um, That said, the Vipers have been a lot better with Jalen McClendon under center for them. He uses his athleticism very well, so that's going to be a big test for the Seattle defense, forcing him to be less of a runner and more of a passer. There's also the potential scenario of Seattle getting ahead enough late where maybe they call off the dogs in the fourth quarter and you see a backdoor cover. So there's there's a lot of back there's a lot of betting angles to this game and so it really is dealer's choice if you're betting it. Um, one interesting angle, however, I do think could be interesting is Vegas in the first quarter, if it's available or first half, they are an XFL best plus 23 in point differential in the first quarter. And they've actually been tied or had a halftime lead in seven of their nine games this year, including that eventual loss to Seattle. They just haven't had the ability to adjust at halftime or finish. It's been a theme for them all season long. So then going back to what I said about the emotions of the game pregame, this team that lost one of their brothers, certainly no one could hold it against them if they got out to a little bit of a slower start. And with the game spread being eight and a half, but that first half spread being five, um, Vegas plus five in the first half, I think could be an interesting angle for people out there. Stormy, uh, such great insight. We so appreciate you. With that being said, I know we'll have you on next week as well. Um, So uh, you know what? We're going to, I'm going to close it out right there. I I don't want, I don't want to give up too much, Uh, but I I was going to ask you, who do you think wins this, this whole league this season, but we'll wait till next week when we have you back on and and we'll talk about the the playoffs and we'll look big picture. Uh, But I can tell you where my futures lie if you want. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I do have futures on DC and Seattle. Those are my two in the bag. 
Okay. All right. We appreciate so we'll see it. How it plays uh, out. <laughs> Stormy, you rock as always. We so appreciate your time here on 710 ESPN. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the games this week. Thanks, Anita. You too. You got it. All right. Well, this concludes our show. We've got you locked and loaded for the XFL. We heard from Greg Wyshynski. Got you locked and loaded for the NHL heading into tomorrow. All you Kings fans out there. Um, and next week, really excited about it. We're going to be on on Tuesday night, which I'm excited about because I am going to get you ready for the NFL draft. I love me some NFL draft and I'm go- I I will I will spend at least 30 minutes if not more uh, getting you ready on how to wager on the NFL draft. So definitely stay tuned for that. I want to thank uh, of course Rob Demoski and Rich Samini giving us some insight in regards to what potentially could happen with that Jets and the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. Eric Moody, Kendra Andrews and uh and and uh, of course, uh, getting you ready for all things NBA action. Again, we thank you so much for tuning in. Anita Marks with you. This has been Bet LA back next week on Tuesday right here on 710 ESPN.